everybody and welcome to another episode of Women in Confidence, the podcast that celebrates fearless women making their mark in the world. So I'm your host, Vanessa, and today I have a great guest who is changing the game in the world of digital marketing. So joining me today is Emma Tesla, the founder and CEO of 95 Media, which is her digital marketing agency. She's an impressive eight plus years of marketing experience, and she's a real driving force behind the success of scaling brands. So in this episode, we're going to hear from Emma. I don't know where this is going to end up. We could talk about all sorts of things, but I certainly know we're going to delve into Emma's story and how she came to set up 95 Media and take it from a side hustle into her, you know, really, really successful business. And we're also going to explore some of the challenges she's faced along the way. And we're also absolutely going to talk about having the confidence to talk about marketing and digital marketing and social media and things like that. So I wanted somebody on the show to talk about this for a while. So it's really great that you can join me today, Emma. So welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. And you're you're really expert at, at podcasting as well. So this is going to go like a dream today. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be great. <laughs> so I always ask this question, Emma, and I think it's a really great warming up into the theme of confidence. So what does having confidence mean to you? Yeah, I love this question because it's, you know, it gives you the opportunity to look at it a few different ways. But I think for me, confidence really goes back to trusting yourself and trusting yourself to make the right decision and feel confident in knowing that you've done it the way that you wanted to. I was recently talking to a friend about this who was like questioning a bunch of things she was doing in her life right now. And I realized, you know, as we were kind of talking through her situation, that it was a lack of really trusting that she had made the right decisions when she had put all of this time and energy into making the decisions that she thought was best. And so I think, you know, when I look back on, you know, the things that have required confidence and confidence is an everyday (laughs) evolution. But for me, it definitely comes back to being able to trust yourself and what you're doing and knowing that you're on the right path. And that really, ultimately, you're the only one who can make those decisions for yourself. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. And I really want to talk about, you said about having trust in yourself and certainly making some decisions. Thinking back across your life and then your, also your journey to setting up 95 Media, I guess, how, where did that trust in yourself come from to know that it was the right decision to make, to step away from you know, a, a, somebody employing you to them being your own boss? It was the scariest decision I ever made. (laughs) It was, it did not feel, I didn't feel confident necessarily in the moment of making that decision, but it was little steps I had taken up until that point that gave me the faith and the confidence knowing that it was going to work out. And so I'm like a very planned person. I'm not with big decisions. I'm not a spontaneous person. I definitely want to have things mapped out. I want to know and feel confident in knowing that things are going to pan out the way that I want them to. So when I considered leaving corporate and going into entrepreneurship full time, for me, one of the really big driving factors was being able to financially support myself, which for most of us going from side hustle to full time is one of the biggest challenges. And it's something that keeps a lot of people stuck because when you're working corporate and you have a side hustle, you have that to that corporate salary to fall back on. And in my case, I was barely paying myself from my side hustle when I was in corporate. 
because I was reinvesting all of that money back into the company in order to grow it and get it to the point where I could leave and ultimately support myself on it. So one of the goals that I had set was a financial goal for our monthly recurring revenue that I knew I wanted us to hit to feel confident in being able to start paying myself slightly more just to like pay my rent and like some things on the styles. Like I really don't need a lot. And luckily I was in a great position to do that because I was so young. I didn't have a lot of expenses and it worked out in my favor, but it was the confidence in knowing that I was able to build the company to a, a successful point while working full time. And it, I almost couldn't wrap my head around what I would even do with all of the time I would have when I left corporate, because at that point I was working every night, every weekend, the way that most of us do when we're side hustling. And it was kind of unfathomable to me that I would have enough work to fill my day that I was normally spending at corporate. And so to me, I sat there and I said, you know, if I had even half a day's worth of work, we would be on the way to, you know, growing the company, financially growing our team, signing more clients, et cetera. And knowing what I was capable of doing with very little hours in the day versus what I was walking into, as well as setting myself up financially with the goals we needed to hit were the two biggest factors in building that confidence to leave, quote unquote, a stable income, which at the time was not stable to begin with because I left corporate in 2020. And so nothing was stable at that point. <laughs> and I've got lots and lots of questions which have been scribbling down. So you, we, you talk about side hustle. Well, how did that start? How did it develop? Yeah, tell me all about that journey because it's really interesting because there's lots of people I've got a side. This is largely my side hustle. I have a job and I do lots of things on the side. But talk to me about your side hustle. And at what point did you like tell people about it? Because I know there's lots of people with side hustles who never talk about it. Yeah. So I did not try to build a side hustle. <laughs> like we can start there. That was never the intention. When I started doing it, I was in college. So I I really did not even know of this world in marketing. I had no training in marketing. I was going to college for interior design because that was the path I thought I wanted to take. And I, I, my first exposure was interning for an interior designer who wanted to grow her business on Instagram. And it was in 2015 when this wasn't a common thing. I didn't even know that Instagram could be used for business at the time because I just wasn't seeing it happen. And once I started dipping my toes into it, it really, really excited me. And I just saw so much potential. And I was so excited by what I believed was going to come, which was the world we're living in now. And so when that internship ended, I, I continued working with her while I was in school. And then towards the end of being in college, I had another client come on. And then I went straight into corporate and I, you know, word of mouth, I just started talking about what I did, you know, randomly with, you know, people I knew and signed a few clients here and there. But it's funny you said, you know, when do you tell people? Because when I was working, I was so protective of this side hustle that I was building because I had this fear of being judged for it and being judged around, oh, you're not going out as much as we are. Oh, you spent all this time working. Oh, you didn't, you know, drink all day Saturday. You were in your apartment on your laptop, like, you know, working. 
And it's so funny to even say that because it's like, why would you judge someone to do that? And today, so many more people have side hustles that it would it's more of something that, that should be celebrated and is celebrated today than it was even, you know, like eight, nine years ago. But with that being said, I didn't tell anyone I worked with at the time what I was doing. And it was really kind of like my closest friends and my family that knew, but I blocked a lot of people on social because I just didn't, I didn't even want to, it felt very sacred to me and I didn't want to like share it. And I, I also didn't want those people, you know, following me and then feeling like I had to censor myself and not talk about certain things because obviously my entire business was growing on Instagram. Um, and so it kind of just snowballed from there. And it was maybe a year into working in corporate when I realized I really don't want to stay here long term. I loved the company I was with. I loved my coworkers, but it just wasn't what I wanted to do long term. And I know I, I knew I wanted to leave and, you know, really go into 95 Media full time. And so it was intentionally taking on more clients, intentionally bringing on a team that could support the tasks that needed to happen while I was at my job come home, do the things only I could do at that point. And it was kind of built little by little. And um, it was every year on my my anniversary, you know, okay, you've been at the company one year or two years. I always said to myself, I'm going to quit this year. This is the year I'm going to do it. And I ended up, it was on year three when I sat there and I said, it's the middle of a pandemic. If you are not going to do this now, then you're not going to take this huge leap. I don't think you ever are. And so that was kind of like the fire that lit under me. And that was when I kind of got my ducks in a row and really started like preparing to, you know, what does it look like to leave? How can I support myself? How can I make this successful? And yeah, I just kind of took the leap. It was never something where I was like, oh, well, I'll just try it for a year. That didn't even occur to me. I was just like, this is what we're doing. (laughs) We're just going all in. And luckily, it's all worked out since then. Yeah, great. And do you remember your last day when you, or maybe not your last day, but the day that you handed in your resignation? Do you remember that day? Oh my God. I had the like worst anxiety of my life that day because my my boss was the owner. Yeah, he was the owner of the company. And it's a very like straightforward man and not very emotional. And I'm not a very emotional person, but it was such a big decision that I had been thinking about for so long and keeping quiet and not telling anyone. And I went into his office and I I think I did it like first thing in the morning. I was like, it is 830. I need to go talk to him and tell him my decision. (laughs) And I went in there and I told him and I just, you know, I said, this is my two weeks. And, you know, this is I told him what I was leaving to do. And I left his office and I ran to the bathroom and started hysterically crying. (laughs) And I called my mom from the bathroom and I was like, mom, I just made the worst decision of my entire life. Like, I can't believe that I just did this. I'm 25 years old. Who the heck do I think I am? Like, I just gave up my first corporate job, my first paycheck that I've been getting. And yeah, I mean, it was absolutely terrible. So I remember that day vividly. And then, of course, I had to tell everyone else in the office. They're like, well, what are you doing? Like they had no idea, obviously, what I was doing and what I was leaving for. So it was it was a journey. It was an experience that day. (laughs) So when people said to you, you know, Emma, what what are you going off to do? Because that's that is such a question. I've resigned a couple of times and people are like, what are you going to do as if there is nothing else to do but work for that company? 
how confident did you feel in telling everybody at that point? Because you kept it quite quiet. You told just a very select few. This was your moment to really bring your business out there. How did that, can you remember telling and how did that feel? Were you confident about it? I think I I still kind of watered it down because I I still had everyone blocked on social media. So I was like, you're not going to find us anyway. So it doesn't really matter. So I I don't even know if I told them like the name of my company. I was just like, yeah, I'm doing social media marketing. We do X, Y, and Z. And I was very vague about it. But I think I was more confident in it because I had reached a level that felt successful to me, largely based on just financial goals that I had wanted to hit at the time and knowing, you know, the steps we were going to be taking to continue growing. So it definitely I didn't feel super confident in telling people at that time. Of course, today I shout it from the freaking rooftops. But like at that point, you know, it still felt kind of scary. It was almost like revealing this side of myself that I had kept hidden for so many years. And these people that I talk to every single day and are like, what the heck do you mean you've been doing this for this amount of time? It's kind of weird to tell people that and be like, yeah, sorry, you didn't know about this whole part of my life. So to go back on your experience, and there'll be people listening now be like, I'm in that situation. Like I have, you know, I do X, I do Y, I've got this little side hustle. And I know you can't talk for every situation and their environment, but what would you advise women who are listening and they are keeping their little side hustle to themselves? I mean, I was talking to somebody yesterday about authenticity and I'm like, you should try and bring your whole self to work. But both you and I have just said, we, we do keep part of that really, really quiet. But what would you advise women who do have a side hustle and they're like keeping some of themselves back? I think to do, I think you should do what you're comfortable with because I know for myself, I would have shrunk the way that I showed up in my business if I knew these people were watching. So to me, by not telling them, I was being more authentic than if I did tell them. So I think it really depends on your personality and the people that you're surrounded with. Of course, different, you know, personality types, different levels of friendship have a big impact on that. So I think it's really comes back to doing what is going to allow you to be your best self and to show up most fully in this business because ultimately this business is probably something that you care more about than the coworkers you've known for six months or a year versus the business that you're building that you are probably hoping is going to last the next 5, 10, 20, 30 years. Well, let's talk about 95 Media. What's the background to the, the name? 95 Media is named after 1995, which is the year that I was born. <laughs> I knew you, I thought you were going to say that. I'm thinking, no, I love it. I love the fact that there are so many women out there who are maybe turning their back on the traditional career paths and, and choosing to do their own thing. When, when you were growing up, were you, were you a consciously sort of ambitious and entrepreneurial and, you know, sort of striving to be quite independent? Yes and no. I mean, I think when I look back, I see qualities of that and wanting to be the person selling things and, you know, leading certain aspects of projects and like, you know, there's definitely aspects that came out. But at the same time, I it wasn't a path I considered. 
It was not something that I ever said to myself, oh, I want to run my own business. I want to do something different. I was kind of told that this is the path you do. You graduate high school, you go to college, you get a good paying job, you work your way up the ladder. And like that was the very traditional path that I thought I was following. (laughs) And I kind of threw that to shit really quickly. (laughs) And so... (laughs) I definitely didn't plan this path, but it's really interesting to see how differently, you know, I'm on like the very end, tail end of millennial and my entire team is Gen Z and, you know, they, my team has never had a corporate job. I have a team of eight and I think one of them has worked in an office setting in her entire life. And it's so interesting to me. And I love nurturing that. And that's why I'm so passionate about building a team and supporting other women on my team, because I think it's so cool to be able to be a part of financially supporting other women, making money in untraditional ways and not feeling like they have to go sit in an office from nine to five and, you know, clock in and out and, you know, have to work these weird hours for jobs that you don't really enjoy. I think being able to take a different approach and do something that actually lights you up and you're actually excited about is just really cool. So no, this was not the path that I thought I was going to go down, but now I can't really see it any other way. (laughs) Yeah. You were already were saying, talking about, you know, people working these weird hours, you know, got to be at your desk between nine to five and whatever. It really got me thinking about what kind of boss are you? How do you like to run your company? That's such a cool question. I I think I'm somewhere like I, I kind of flex in the middle of I'm absolutely not traditional, but I am a very structured person and we have a lot of workflows in our company just for efficiency. And as we grow the team, it's so important for consistency across our deliverables because we are a service-based company. But at the exact same time, I I'm very flexible. And if your work, if you do your best work at midnight, I don't care. Like, get the work done. And that's cool. And I'll see your Slack at 7 a.m. in the morning when I sit down to work because my best hours of work are 7 to 11 in the morning. So, you know, by three o'clock, my brain is just absolutely dead. And so I am not someone who's productive after that time. I'll probably be at my desk doing things. But I think it's a really empowering move to work for a company that allows you to say, okay, you know, you work best in this environment. You work best during these hours. That's cool. That's great. And so that's something I really want to foster in our team, as well as just collaboration, because our team is fully remote. We're, you know, across the entire U.S. And so I've never met most of my team in person. My team, most of my team has never met each other. And yet we talk every single day on Slack. We're on Zooms constantly. So it's been a really interesting journey to try and foster community and relationships between the team when we are fully remote. That's been a huge challenge, but something I really focus on. So I think I I try and take a an approach that I never experienced in corporate because they don't even know what that feels like. And I don't really want them to because at the end of the day, they've chosen to work for a company like ours because flexibility is important to them because time off is important to them because, you know, building with a a small company and being able to grow with that company is important to them. So I try and bring all of those factors to the table and make it an environment that our team wants to grow in and feels comfortable in and can really just be their their best selves in. I love that you're all remote. 
and the discussions and the thought process behind that, given the debate that's happening in the moment. And I saw, I think, something in the news yesterday. Everybody's, you know, with one big company, I think it might have been Microsoft actually, now saying everybody has to return to the office, you know, period, or you're out. And I think people like you, who, you know, you say you're a small company, but I imagine revenue wise, you're not small, are challenging some of that and saying you don't need to be in the office. It's, you know, there are challenges, don't get me wrong, you know, how do you create that team culture? How do you collaborate? But it's not impossible. And I, I just find your, view of it very refreshing given you know the noise that's going on in the moment about everybody has to be in and we all have to be visible and it helps collaboration which you know I don't think it does it's just a different style of management so I'm uh, thank you I guess for for continuing to to push that that model and that's really important to your business and the women that you employ I think it's it's really good to hear Exactly. And I think that's a really important point is that these companies who are going back to the office and forcing everyone back to the office are not going to retain the talent, the young talent that they may have hired over the past few years because Gen Z, you know, people do not give a flying crap about staying with the company just because they've been there for two years. They will leave and they will go find a company that aligns with their values and gives them the flexibility they want. Because we all know that we can all do our jobs from home. Like it's a very apparent, you know, observation. And I, you know, when I was in corporate, obviously 2020 happened and we all went remote and then they made us go back to the office fairly quickly after that, like two months after. And we all sat there and we're like, we're doing the exact same thing that we were doing from from our house. And I actually get less work done when I'm in the office than I do when I'm home because everyone's freaking talking to me all day. <laughs> and so for me, I think I'm lucky in the sense of we never, I've never had in-person team. And so I think I might, might have a, a slightly different perspective on that if I had experienced that with within 95 media. But to me, being remote, not only does it allow us to get like the best talent, but it also allows us to hire talent across the entire U.S. rather than just in the city that I'm in, because I want to be remote too. Like I built this company to be remote. I moved from New York down to Texas two years ago. So what if I if I did that now I have to hire a whole new team because I moved to Texas? Like that seems so crazy to me. And then you're refined. You're you know, you're confined to only hiring people near you. And that seems kind of crazy as well. So being remote and hiring a remote team is one of like the core pillars for us at 95 Media. Yeah, love it. So I'm going to talk about, well, we're going to go back to something you mentioned. You probably don't remember it now, but you talked about, well, the fact that you are remote and you use, I think you said Slack, but you also talked about sort of automations and really setting processes in place quite early on. I guess, how did that help you step away from probably some of the doing because I know lots of CEOs and founders who do the doing and then step away and step back into running the business and really defining where you want it to take and build that client portfolio and, and do the stuff that CEOs have to do. I guess, where did you start with the automation and the processes? One of the first systems we started with was Dubsado which is our CRM, our customer relationship management tool. And it's still our CRM today. I started using it, I think it was back in 2018. And that was the my kind of first foray into, okay, this is interesting. I can set up something as simple as recurring invoices. I used to send out manual invoices through QuickBooks every single month. And then I would panic on the third of the month. Oh my God, did I send out the invoice this month? I don't know. And did, is it overdue? I have no idea. So that was 
reoccurring invoices was like the coolest thing in the world to me. Sending the contract within Dubsado, creating really simple automated workflows within Dubsado as well. Those were all kind of like my first baby steps into automation. And then we, as we build out the team, building out those systems and processes that everyone follows was so crucial because I had no idea how to lead a team. I had no idea how to build a team. I had no idea what people needed when I hired them. I was not given a handbook when I entered my job in corporate. It was a hot mess for the first year. And I sat there and I was like, I can't afford a year of someone messing up and me chasing them and doing all of these things. And so I knew I wanted to do it differently. And I think it's really cool to be able just to take my own experience, very limited experience working for someone else and say, OK, these are the things that I really liked. And here are the things that I saw room for improvement in and apply them to my own business, which is really where I started, because that was all I had to go off of. And that business was very different structurally than the one I'm building. But today, I literally wouldn't be able to run this company without automations and without processes because we are we're at a team of nine right now. And one of the most important systems we have in place is what I call our team dashboard, which is essentially an online course for every single team member that joins us. It's really an employee handbook of how we do everything, but it is structured in the way of an online course. It's modules and submodules and videos and downloads and Google Docs linked and here's a scribe to here's how the steps go through everything. And it really outlines not only how to do our internal processes, but how do we structure client deliverables? Here's a recording of me going through this with a client. Here's, you know, a team call when we did a training on this process. And it's so in-depth. And the reason I built that originally was because I found that I was taking so much time to onboard every team member. And on top of that, we were having such fast turnover because I was not being clear on expectations. I was not being clear on deliverables. I wasn't being clear on their KPIs. And so almost immediately after I built out this dashboard, which took me six months to build out, it significantly improved our turnover rate within our team. And our team has been so much more successful since building out this dashboard. It's something that's in flux. I'm constantly updating it. I'm constantly adding to it, taking things out, improving it. And it's this really beautiful living thing within our business where I can say, even someone who's been on our team for a year, they come to me with a question. I'm like, oh, it's in this module in the dashboard. Go ahead and look at that. Come back if you have questions. Like, I'm always here to answer a question. But if the material is there for you, I don't need to be the one to do that. And so That one piece has really freed up so much of my time, which has, of course, allowed me to then continue to grow the business and give our team members even more work, which financially supports them further. That's so interesting what you're saying about that dashboard. It's really interesting how either you can adapt all these employee onboarding tools and just make it purely digital. I really like that. I'm going to steal that idea if you don't mind, Emma. Of course. So at what point did you in your... You know, you founded 95 Media. At what point did you sort of sit back and be like, got it. Look at me. I'm the founder of this incredible digital marketing agency. Or has that moment never come yet? I think 
Well, as entrepreneurs, I just think that we're always on to the next thing so quickly. And so most of us never let us let ourselves sit in the success and never let us sit in, wow, I did that. But one of those moments that I had was it was one year after I left corporate. So 2021 was the first year that I was fully in this business and doing it full time. And our growth rate prior to that point was we doubled in revenue every single year. And the first year that I was doing, I was in 95 Media full time, we 3 x in revenue. So I sat there and I said, okay, like this thing is legit. I think, I think we're on to something. Like I think we're going to be okay. Because that year was so much of me just throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks. Like I had no data to go off of. I wasn't, I hadn't really taken the business seriously in a sense of, okay, like let's keep track of where are our leads coming from and what is our acquisition cost and what kind of KPIs do we have? And what is our quarterly revenue? So I can compare it to last year's quarterly. Re- like I never really looked at the hard numbers until that year. And that first year of looking at numbers is really scary because you're like, I don't even know if this is good. Like this could be really bad. And I have no no idea. And so once I got those back, you know, going into taxes of that year and paying a lot more taxes than I thought I would, you know, I I realized that this is something that's going to last. And this is something that is really exciting, just something to be proud of. And I was really proud of it at that point. And of course, that's only continued to grow. But I'm definitely someone who does not sit in it enough and does not actually acknowledge a lot of the accomplishments that I should. But I I also think that every entrepreneur should be doing that more. But we just don't really give ourselves time to do that. (laughs) Well, this is your opportunity to shine and to celebrate your success to date anyway. So digital marketing, massive. It could it could encompass so many, many things. What do you focus on and what does your business really concentrate on? Where's it sort of like USP? We heavily focus on social media management and marketing. So that's kind of our core of everything that we do is we work with scaling brands who are looking to grow their online presence and monetize their audience. A lot of the times we join companies who, you know, Often it's the founder who's been doing the social media content and they've just been inconsistent. They don't know what they're doing and they've gotten to a point where they're just very frustrated with not seeing results and don't understand what they're doing wrong, but also don't have time to figure out what they're doing wrong. And so we usually enter at that point and we come in and we do everything under the sun to just bring your marketing from, you know, it's happening. Okay. We have content going out to, okay, we're building community, we're seeing engagement, and we're ultimately watching conversions happen from your social media accounts. So we handle all of the platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, LinkedIn, TikTok, and we approach it from a really holistic, strategic angle where, you know, your brand needs to be present and and you can't just be focusing on building 30,000 followers on Instagram because you don't own that list. So then we look at email marketing and we handle email marketing for our clients and you own your email list. So let's get people on there and let's increase how many click throughs we're getting. And email just gives you the opportunity to have a lot faster conversion because it's less clicks to the ultimate sale. So we love that. And then earlier this year, we launched our podcast production as well which has been really, really exciting because podcasting, of course, is the future of digital marketing and it goes so hand in hand with the boom of video content. 
And it's just such a fantastic way to grow your business, as you know. And it's just been really cool to support businesses in new ways this year with their podcast, because we've, of course, seen so much success with so many different angles from sharing content in new ways to generating more leads to building more relationships with other people we bring on our show. And it's just been such a cool journey for ourselves. And now to be able to support new businesses with their own show has been a really great addition to our company this year. Yeah, great. I mean, you know, I'm a massive fan of, of podcasting and, and yeah. particularly helping women get onto podcasts. Because I think it's, for me, look, I'm not a marketer at all, but I really understand that it's a space that women can really get into, you know, the ears of globally they can get into the ears of so many people so I think it's such an important part of people's marketing mix these days so it's great to hear that you're also in that space what are the common mistakes people come to you with them and they're like Emma I really need some help with my digital marketing my social what are the common mistakes you see people making well there's a few (laughs) I would say number one is a lack of video content That sounds really basic, but it's not. It is at the core. Video content is at the core of really any marketing strategy today. And it's such a crucial element to showing up, producing content that your audience really wants to see. And while we all kind of know that in the back of our heads, so many of us who are expected to create content, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs, are so resistant to video because we still think about video as, okay, I need to have full hair and makeup. I need to know what I'm saying. I need to not mess up. I need to not trip over my words. And really, it's that authenticity that comes out in video content, which is why your audience is obsessed with it, which is why people want to see you get on video because they can see the little quirks that make you you. And by not doing that, you're actually keeping your brand in a box that feels very inaccessible and feels very, I'm up here and you're down here because I'm not peeling back the curtain in the way that other businesses are. So that's the first one. But I think even bigger than that, the biggest mistake is just not having a strategy in your content and really kind of posting things that you enjoy creating, but that your audience doesn't necessarily enjoy consuming. And that is a challenge that we work with every single client on. They'll come to us and say, well, you know, I really like doing those. Here's three steps to X, Y, and Z. And I'll say, okay, well, are they your top performing content? They're not. They're your worst performing content. So actually, we're probably going to stop doing them for a little while and we're going to test something else and we're going to look at the data. And really, once you start integrating a strategy, your data becomes your best friend because that's actually going to be what tells you what's doing well and what's not. But so many businesses don't even look at the data, which is free and provided to you on every single platform. And that is something that holds a lot of businesses back before hiring an agency like ours or hiring a freelancer to support them with that. So when you combine lack of strategy and no video content, you're really setting yourself up for failure on social media within your marketing in today's marketplace. Oh, Emma, you've taught me all so much in that the last sort of few minutes, but video content, let's just talk there. And it particularly related to confidence because I have met I don't know, countless women who are like, there's no way I can do video. I'm probably guilty. Well, I don't do video really. I hate being on video, hence the podcast, (laughs) just my voice. (laughs) But video content, how can people get through this 
barrier of lack of confidence and getting their faces and their voices, regardless of what the hair and the makeup and the, you know, how can people do it? Because it's a huge barrier. One thing that I did when I was first doing video, which I will preface was way before video was popular. And I was like a very weird person for doing video. I want to say it was it was in 2018. I started I just started doing this thing on Instagram where they had just made video like available in your feed and it could only be one minute in your feed. And I wanted to record video. This was before stories. Like this was the only video content on Instagram at the time. And I wanted to record video because I had so much to say and so much to share and so much to teach on. And it was so hard to put all of that into a caption. So I started posting one video a week to my Instagram. But again, I didn't have time to be doing that every Monday or every day. So once a month on a Saturday, I would sit down and I would set up my phone. I had the jankiest setup. It was like comical. I It was regular size ring lights weren't a thing. I had this tiny little baby ring light that I would attach to my phone. And I would sit. I had a studio apartment in Manhattan at the time. And I would sit against this like bookcase in the corner of my apartment. And I would batch record seven-ish videos at a time. But I would change outfits between every video, too, because at that time it was like you wanted to look like it was a different day. I was like, I don't want people knowing that I'm spending, you know, eight hours of my life sitting here trying to record these stupid videos. But one thing that built my confidence so quickly in doing that was I, of course, I'm, you know, recording it front facing. It was one of the first times I had recorded video kind of myself. I mean, this was before anyone was using Zoom. I think Skype was still, you know, way more popular than Zoom. And even that, you know, no one was using Skype. So it was the first time I had really done video content. And I was incredibly horrified at myself for the first several months. I was like, that's what my face looks like when I talk. Like, that's insane. I look crazy. So it was kind of this training of my of myself, of my facial expressions, of the way that I expressed myself. And I think confidence comes back so often to practice. And I genuinely believe that that practice that I had that I just forced myself to do for literally no reason, it wasn't something that was needed at the time. It set me up in a great way for today's world of video. and. I would just recommend if you are someone who is not feeling confident on video, do some videos for yourself. Set your phone up, do it front facing, watch how your face works. I am, you know, everyone's on Zoom these days. We all know how our face looks when we talk at this point, but like record some content that is only for you and practice the way that you want to show up, the way you want your voice to sound, the way that you want your face to look, whether it's better lighting or it's you put different types of makeup on or you smile more. I realized when I first started recording, I was like, I look like a, such a mean person when I'm talking. I don't smile. Like I have a resting bitch face constantly. And it was like, okay, we're going to change that now because I didn't know. I like that was the first time I had watched myself talk. And so, you know, when you practice and when you just record content for yourself and you know it's not going to go anywhere else, that can just help you build your confidence so much faster. I think that's brilliant advice. Thank you very much for that. So I've got a quick fire question for you. What is your social platform of choice and why? 
So I still love Instagram. It's just kind of the core. It's been at the core of our business for so long. Instagram is also where our audience is most engaged. So that's definitely my platform of platform of choice. But we are doing our best to get back onto TikTok. And so hopefully my love for TikTok will grow for our own business. I absolutely love TikTok for our clients. But of course, we're managing it for them. So it's a bit easier. And we always come last on the totem pole. But Instagram is my platform of choice right now. And do you still see validity in someone like LinkedIn? I mean, I know they're now doing a lot more to push video and to do lives. Do you still see a lot of validity in, in using LinkedIn? Absolutely. I've been such a big fan of LinkedIn for so long when no one was using it. And the beauty of LinkedIn is even though more people are starting to recognize like, okay, this is a great platform to be on. I There's a statistic and I think it's only 2%. This statistic was from last year, but 2% of LinkedIn users are actually creating content. So even if, you know, everyone you know is on LinkedIn and people log in, you know, maybe even they log in daily, it doesn't matter unless they're creating content. Because what that means is that there's all of this white space for you if you are the one creating content to show up and to gain traction faster. And so that's what we want to look for on new platforms or platforms that aren't as popular and saturated is where can I find the white space in my industry and show up as a leader in that space that's not being taken up by anyone else right now? And I guess, so for listeners who are not necessarily familiar with Instagram and TikTok, we'll go back to those because they're the, the big sort of industry leaders. What's the difference? And um, do I need to be on both or can I just settle on one? Well, the biggest difference is that TikTok is only video, right? So you need to be able to produce, record, produce, edit, post, constant video content over on TikTok, right? So you are looking at at least four videos a week over on TikTok. Ideally, it wants you posting at least once a day. So in an ideal world, it's seven posts a week. And if you're really trying to go hard, it's three videos a day, seven days a week. But on TikTok, it also wants consistency. So you don't want to overcommit yourself and then miss a day because then it will dock you as well. So it's finding that sweet spot over on TikTok and also recognizing that your audience is very different on TikTok. People are much, much more in your face on TikTok. Comments are very different on TikTok. And just the demographic, you're going to reach a younger demographic over there as well. And when you look at Instagram, you know, you have this mix of video and photo content. So you can spend time creating a graphic rather than needing to record a video or using a photo from a shoot you did a year ago is, you know, it's still acceptable right now over on Instagram. And so we kind of look at Instagram as, okay, our content, our need for creating, which is essentially you being in the content is reduced. So it feels a bit more accessible to most people. It feels more attainable. But I think if you have the bandwidth to do both or to add on TikTok, because you're likely already on Instagram, absolutely do it because it's newer and the you know availability for gaining traction, you have a much higher probability of doing that over on TikTok than you do on Instagram even though they have a very similar amount of active users, which is absolutely crazy since TikTok only came on the scene three years ago and Instagram has been around since 2012. So that tells us that, you know, 
your audience is there. Your audience is over on TikTok. It's whether or not you have the bandwidth to create the content needed on that platform. And of course, also is your audience, you know, is the demographic of your audience that you're trying to reach on that platform as well? Because maybe you're you're trying to target an older audience, but people who are younger are still interested in your product or your service, but that's not actually who you want to work with then that's probably not the right platform for you. So it's really figuring out where are my people, how much content bandwidth do I have, and where do I want to land and stay consistent? Yeah, great. Love it. How can people find you, Emma? Yeah, so on Instagram, I am the most active, as I said. So our handle over on Instagram is 90.5.media, all spelled out. Our website is 95media.co. We have our podcast as well as Stop Scrolling, Start Scaling. And we have a free course if you'd like to join it called Master Your Marketing. It just kind of covers how to create really strategic content in under 30 minutes a day for the person who is still creating on their own and not ready to pass that off just yet. And if you want to join, you can go to masteryourmarketingcourse.co. But otherwise, I'd love to see you over on Instagram as well. All right. And I'll put all those details in the show notes. So anybody who's listening is like, I have to contact Emma and 95 Media. All the links will be in the show notes. So go and check them out. Well, listen, Emma, thanks so much for being on the show and just brilliant conversation. Amazing. I don't know, 45 minutes, something like that, but just been the best. So thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you. This has been so fun.